Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. All right, let's do this. Mary, welcome everybody to episode 93. Hello, hello. Charles Cullen, a.k.a. The Good Nurse, part three. Yes, part three. If you want to find us, though, where could you find us? You can find us on all the social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Color Me Dead Podcast, and don't forget to join the Color Me Dead Podcast group. You can find us on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast, and you can follow me. Um, I'm Color Me Dead Angel. I am Corey underscore Nikki. And if you want to be ignored on Twitter, you can follow us. <laughs> That's no shit. Color Me Dead Pod. I'm trying to be more interactive on on Twitter as well, and it's just not my favorite favorite platform. But I'm I'm trying, man. I'm trying. And I am too stupid for tw- for the tweets for the tweeters. For the I tweeters. just don't care for it, dude. Like that's a different I don't level it. of people that use Twitter. Like I just don't. I just don't. You're up here, and we're down here. Like you need to understand that. You know, I I had MySpace for a long time. You I know, still I mean? have MySpace. I do not. Mine I somewhere. I logged into it the other day. <laughs> I, fuck, I can't remember my my passwords and shit. But I had a pretty rad MySpace. Uh, check us out on ageofradio.org slash color me dead slash, and that is where you can go to listen to all of our episodes. You can see creator content. You can learn more about us. Um, and you can see our sponsors. Spencers, not Spencers, our sponsors. Our sponsors. We only have one Spencer, and it's not really we either. I mean, just <laughs> and I care you like we have one. We have one. We share him. <laughs> um, thanks to our Patreon subscribers and our examinators, our fifty dollars subscribers, Rhett Harris, Samantha Vaughn, and Sharon Hoffman. Shanks, bad motherfuckers. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you guys want to pick up some merch, you can check us out at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. Yes, and another big shout to Emily Duvall for helping me out with this with this bitch. Yeesh. And the book that I've been reading for this, my part of this research, is The Good Nurse by Charles Grieber. If you would like to go get some more in-depth information on this puke, do that. That's a good book. It's a good, it's a good read. There's a lot of shits about him in there. So I wanted to mention that today is 20 minutes of music. Okay, yeah. Okay? Okay. Are you sure. with me? Yep. <laughs> today, the day we're recording is February 26th, and it's your birthday. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Um, you know what? Every time I think of birthdays, I think of that scene out of um, Disney's Robin Hood. Yeah. Where she's like... Goodbye, Mr. Robin. Come again on my birthday. <laughs> on my birthday. On my birthday. So, did you know we talked about what? Oh, what was his name? The Party Monster Boy. His birthday, same day as yours. So today's his birthday too. Happy so birthday! Is, yeah. So is Barry Lou Barry Lucatus. Oh, it's that, his birthday today. Oh, it's his birthday. It's his birthday. Was it? Was it the Party Monster's birthday at the same day as yours, or was it just the same sign? I can't remember. He's just the same sign. Well, Charles Cullen, his birthday was February 22nd. Y'all motherfuckers are crazy. Michael Alleg. I'm not sure when his birthday is. I mean, Maybe I just made that up. Um, you know who else's birthday was today? Who? Johnny Cash. 
Oh, I fell into a burning, burning ring of fire. fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, 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 burns that ring of fire. Oh, my God. I have a horrifying story about the ring of fire. Oh, oh no. He was born in like April 29th. No, he shares a birthday with Spencer. Oh, okay. Speaks. I was close. I knew he shared a birthday with somebody. Yeah, no. Barry Dale Lucatus. Yes. His so, birthday is also today. So, He's also 38. Yes. Mish. So. Well, welcome back to the last installment of The Killer Nurse. Dun, dun, dun. Bang, dang, dang. So far, he's killed an unknown number of people because he can't remember. So it's not just to you that it's unknown. It's unknown to fucking everybody. He doesn't know who's ivy bags he spiked and who he's killed whatever because he's just a total fucking puke he knows a few for sure but he doesn't know when we left you last he had just filed for bankruptcy um he had sixty-eight thousand dollars in debt give or take a few he just killed francis henry the guy that was in the halo that he made have all the seizures and shit oh that's just that yeah. is such a shitty thought dude oh i know like it, it makes me want to puke um, he just got moved out of the ICU. Instead of getting fired, he didn't get moved. You know, he didn't get fired. He just got moved out of the ICU. They're like, yeah, we're well, just gonna, here. We're going to take the problem and put it somewhere else. It's just right. typical corporate America. Well, they put him <laughs> into the psychiatric wing. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good plan, right? Yeah, take a nut and put him in the nut hut. Uh-huh. And he's like, these are my people. These are my people. <laughs> and I say nut hut in the most loving way because we I am do. one too. We're all fucking nuts. <laughs> just saying fucking nuts fucking nuts this shit's got nuts in it (laughs) (laughs) sorry i watched deadpool again (laughs) um what he found out there though was the psychiatric patient patients were a little bit more wiry than he was used to charlie was seen going into an elderly woman's room with a syringe probably full of his little kill you cocktail and they weren't prescribed obviously this well, caused obviously. a scuffle because said woman wasn't having it. And no, you mean somebody actually <laughs> was like, hey, man, no, I don't know what that shit yeah, is. How about you don't? <laughs> Scotty, don't. <laughs> Scotty, ne pas. <laughs> I can't do it. So it, she ended up getting a broken arm from their, their scuffle. Well, as you would think, he was fired. Which this was five months after he killed Mr. Henry. But don't worry. He soon got a job at Easton Hospital in Easton, Pennsylvania. He was working nights in the ICU, which was his happy place. In December of 1998, a man named Audemar Schramm. Audemar? Audemar. That's an interesting name. It really is. Was in the hospital because he had been having strokes over the last year. His daughter, Christina Tooth, was at the hospital with him often. Like, she was there most of the time. And from what I gather, she was his, in case of emergency, contact. One day, while she was there, she remembers a male nurse coming into the room for some, quote, tests, end quote. He had a syringe in his hand in case, in case the heart Mm. stopped. Really? Because that's... That's reassuring. Right. Like if you I have got a nurse, this just in case. Hey, look. See the syringe? This is in case your heart stops. Yes. Now, Katrina didn't see her father again until the next day, which was December 29th. She said he looked very sick and waxy, worse than he'd looked 
like when he got there. The doctors had said nothing about this and it like it didn't have anything to do with his stroke. Well, he was taking a turn for the worse. Hmm. Gee, I wonder I wonder why. Christina was preparing for his death and the next day she came back to visit and his condition had started to improve. Now the family comes in to visit and they're having these really good visits and everything's going hunky-dory for about three days. Then Mr. Schramm's doctor calls Katrina and says that somebody had ordered unauthorized unauthorized blood tests on her father. And what's worst is the results come back and they're not good. Then Mr. Okay, so in his blood, they found digoxin. What? No. So he had never been described. Described. Hey, (laughs) I'm going to describe you a little (laughs) bit of medicine. And if you can guess what it is, then you get it. Ta-da, then you win. So he was never prescribed the digoxin, yet his levels were totally off the charts. And he said that he would call her back when he had more news. That's not very reassuring either. No. However, the call that she got back was around 1.25 in the morning saying that her father had actually passed away. And the doctor told her to make sure that when she got there to, you know, like focus on the autopsy, make sure there's an autopsy done. Now, she wasn't sure why the autopsy was so important and why he was pressing her for that because, I mean, really all the, all the information that she was given when he's like, make sure you get that autopsy is because of the digoxin. Yeah. And for her, you know, or even me, like just in general, if you're not of the medical profession, you're not going to know what the hell that is or why it's important. But when somebody's right. like, because of the digoxin, they're like, okay, shit. All right, fine. All right, what is it? When the family got to the hospital, they found his room empty and Charlie Cullen was in it. His family went down the hall to another room where they found Otto all cleaned up. Charlie had left to give them some time with the deceased. Yes. Now, he comes back a few minutes later and asks him if they were planning on getting an autopsy done. Does that not feel weird? Like, for a nurse to come in and be like, let me so, give you some time. And then like five minutes later, so you thinking about an autopsy or uh, would it, do you have would, a casket picked out? Or I mean, an autopsy, uh, top, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. 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 I just, I'm, I don't know. That feels very like cold to me. Like, so you thinking about getting that autopsy? <laughs> well, he tried to talk them out of it, of course. Weird. So while the family is still trying to process the death of this man, Mr. Schramm, and they're trying to get their poop in a group. He's in there trying to talk her out of doing the autopsy, which clearly is going to finger him. Hmm. And not in the way you want to, sexy I like to be, I, like, I like to be fingered, but not by him and not by Ew. an autopsy. <laughs> I am no Ted Bundy. I am, no, I am schnott. <laughs> so two other nurses come in after that and ask her if she wants the autopsy. Autopsy. Yeah, I messed you up. We're, we're never going to say autopsy yeah, right yeah. again. It's you an know autopsy. Yeah. <laughs> so they, so uh, fuck me. By the time the third one asks, Katrina's getting mad and she's like, yeah, I want the goddamn autopsy. Of course we want somebody to do something. Somebody gave my father an overdose and that's when the nurse is like, say no more. <laughs> no, no. This say is, no more. This is where we shut our mouths. Yes. <laughs> so this obviously sparks an internal in- investigation. Now the autopsy is turned over to the county coroner. 
This ended up being an eight-month-long investigation. Now, if you guys want to refer back to how quickly things take place when it comes to autopsies, investigations, go back and listen to DJ Ficky's case. Right. Just saying. Well, eight-month investigation. He did find out about an unknown nurse taking him in for testing, taking Mr. Schramm in for the testing, but didn't know who it was. The death was ultimately ruled accidental. Charlie had no fucks to give, as usual, though. I don't even think he knew the outcome in the end. He, was, he wasn't he was really planning on staying at Easton anyway. When the questioning had started in March of 1999, he'd already found a new job. He took a job in the burn unit at Lehigh Valley, Valley Hospital. I'd like to stop here and point out that someone from Utah probably named this. <laughs> Not only do we have Lehigh here, but it's spelled L-E-H-I-G-H. Lehigh. Proceed. Don't make me get started on Utah names. Insert Utah mom joke. Oh my <laughs> no, God. Yeah or no? Yeesh. Things had changed since he was a burn unit nurse the first time. They were actually using more drugs for pain now, like morphine and shit. Because of the new drugs, they now had new ways to track them too. They had a thing called... Pixis, Pixis Med Stations. Pixis. Pixis. I knew this from Nurse Jackie. Yes. Because <laughs> Pixis machines suck. Yes. Because you can't fucking scam drugs. Yes. It's basically a drug cash register. No. It is. Everybody's got a unique ID mm-hmm. and you have certain um, medical professionals that have access to different Mm -hmm. stronger better faster whatever but everybody like whatever you take out of there is pinned to you yes to your number and this is 1999 so i don't know if it was as accurate as it is these days because 1999 i think we still had like green letters and the flashing you know (laughs) you know like (laughs) all i can see is we're still using ms dos yes the ms dos that's what i was trying to (laughs) go we're still doing c drive if you're going to go off of this, what you're going to do is you're going to go play Oregon Trail. And, and you got to hurry and click back before somebody comes in. <laughs> Charlie thought this was a fun new game because he loved technology. Weird. Charlie thought of himself as a veteran burn unit nurse. However, the nurses there treated him like a rookie. He thought they had no professionalism and were heartless. And they all called him a weirdo. So, eat that. Eat that shit. <laughs> This made him decide to go back to spiking the IV IV bags. He's like, all right, you guys are going to be assholes. We're going to spike the IV bags. Fuck y'all. He says he doesn't know how many he killed over that 16 months, but most coded during his shift. Because obviously he's putting the shit in the bags. The bags go in during his shift. I think it takes like six hours and then they code. One that he does remember is fucking horrifying. It's 22-year-old Matthew Mattern. He was in a car wreck and had burns over 70% of his body. I was in the burn unit with a meth head without sounding heartless that had a meth lab. Oh, he was a cook. Up. Mm-hmm. And he was burned on 60% of his body. And his room was like right by mine. I remember when I had to go for walks and shit, I would walk past him. And I'd always hear his family being like, he's got a 40% chance of living. And they would be all excited about it. And I was like, damn, motherfuckers. Yeah, dude. Well, and one of the things that people might not know is that when the chemicals from meth actually burn, once some of that shit is on your skin, <laughs> it's basically like napalm. Really? Stuck to your body. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this guy died. I had to text my mom this morning and ask her. I was like, did he die? Because they wouldn't tell me that shit. I wasn't like 10, 9, right. 10. They weren't going to tell me about that. <clears throat> so anyway, this guy being 70% burned, he didn't have much of a chance. No, that's like Charlie doing the math and being like, you're 92% dead anyway. He, which he did. He was like, so you're 22. You did this. You're 92% dead. And he was. Like, he really was. <clears throat> He was what they call a slow code. He was getting transplants and having amputations left and right. He had to wear those pressure suits, a.k.a. Oh my God. Job stockings, which I've talked about multiple times. <laughs> Fuck them. Ew. Com- Fuck them. Compression gears. Fun story. Mm. To this day, I may have already said this. I'm sorry if I did. I cannot handle the smell of regular Dawn dish soap because that's what they had to wash mine in. So you have to hand wash the motherfucker in Dawn dish soap and then hang him out. And at the time, it was the 90s, we didn't have like the scented shit like we have now, so I couldn't have smelled good. I smelled like a goddamn dish rag everywhere. I went, I hate the smell of that shit. So if anybody is around me, don't ever bring regular Dawn dish soap. Regular scented Dawn dish soap. There's certain smells that I can't tolerate anymore. Like, I don't like the smell of dial soap. Like, that's what we had for years and years and years growing up to, like, wash our bodies. And, like, for me, dial soap just brings back poverty level Uh, fucking nightmares of my childhood i don't like it take it back i don't like it yeah that's how i feel about dawn dish soap because and that fucking thing would cut into my armpit and make it bleed Mm. and shit and so i just i really didn't like it then my blood and my alleys would all smell like dawn dish soap no fuck your joke stockings bitches (laughs) he'd also been burned to the bone charlie didn't want him to suffer though which I'm with him on this one. I'd call me a murderer. I don't give a fuck. But he didn't don't want know, him man. to suffer. Burn to the bone. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go ahead and, and throw in my two cents on this one and be like, yeah, man, you might want to put that one down. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, I'm totally with him on this one. Um, on August 31st, 1999, Charlie put a massive dose of digoxin in his IV and he was dead before the morning. Most of the nurses were, were relieved. As you would be. That's a huge emotional toll on all of them. They didn't want to see him go through all of that. Fuck no. I would not either. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> By now, most of his moidoys. Would you like to moida? Would you like to talk about moida? They're in New Jersey. Well, he is in Pennsylvania now, but they're close to New Jersey. So we talk about moidas. Um, most of his murders are for stress relief reasons now, like this. He was a lot of stress on the staff, so he was like, let's put you out of your misery. He didn't want to see people suffer, plus he hated the cold-heartedness of the other nurses when dealing with suffering patients. So, apparently that was his cue to play God and, you know, speed things up. After this, he decided to do the other thing that he does best. What would that be? Um, We're either murdering or attempting uh, suicide. suicide. Really, <laughs> this see, and what really frustrates me with this guy is I understand that a lot of suicide attempts are a cry for help. Right. And, and those are what get people to a place where they need to be to get the help that they need before they actually... They're not, they're not trying anymore. You know what yep. I mean? Um, but this guy really bothers me with his suicide attempts quote attempts right because they're not they're not cries for help 
They're not actual attempts. It is 100% a show. Mm -hmm. It is for attention. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't do anything to try to better himself afterwards. It's just like, no, I'm fine. Let's go on with life like nothing happened. And it, it bothers me because it's that kind of stuff that then when people who really do need help and really reach out, mm-hmm. people don't take them serious because people like Charlie Cullen turned it into a goddamn episode of Keeping Up with Kardashians. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this time he did it a little bit different. He didn't do his fake pills or whatever. He had a little aluminum roasting pan that he set in the bathtub because being that he works in the burn unit, he didn't want to burn the house down and injure anybody else. Um, he just wanted the gas fumes to kill him. So he put towels under the door and insulation in the vents to try to keep the gas in and the smell out. <laughs> Whale. What, what happened See, was... See, what happened was his landlord smelled the fumes and called the cops to come and investigate. So clearly his methods of preventative smelling didn't pan out the way he thought they would. The landlord was suspicious because she knew that he had a troubled history. She had seen him being carted off by an ambulance more than once. So clearly she's got an idea of what could potentially be going bonkers in there. So the officers come, they knock on the door. They... And it took Charlie quite a while to get to the door and answer. When he did, the smell of gasoline comes barreling out of the door. And he acts like nothing happened. Like it's completely normal for your house to reek of petrol. Well, the officer wanted to investigate. So he went in to see what was going on. And he found the smoke alarm on the table with the batteries out of it. And then he found the mini hibachi in the bathtub burning. Nice. The officer calls for an ambulance. Charlie's actually embarrassed this time. And he, uh-huh. <laughs> this time he's really embarrassed. So he asks he he asked them to take him anywhere but Warren because he didn't want to be seen as some kind of a freak, and he didn't want fucking color me surprised. He didn't want the attention this time, and right because I think this time he really was trying to do it. I think this was the the end. I think, but I don't know why would you open the door. Why would you stop doing what you were doing? Yeah, why would you? I don't know. I guess I can I mean, it's such a slippery slope, but just the a antics. Slippery slope. Uh, Sorry. Fl- slippery slope, etc. But <laughs> just his his antics in prior, you know, attempts or whatever, where he's being dramatic and he's doing it for theatrics and he's got a plan like, oh my gosh, I'll make you love me again. Watch me commit suicide. Watch me attempt this. <laughs> but so, I'm not actually going to take the pills. I'm going to toss them everywhere. Yeah, I'm just going to put them on the ground like fucking Cocoa Puffs. It, that bothers me where I'm I like build material spill them. its pills spill my pill so he doesn't want to go to Warren because he really doesn't want people to know by April of 2000 the burn unit was done hiding their hate for him like at this point we're not even playing fucking politics where you're like pleasant to bitches to their fucking face at this juncture they're like no we don't like it get it out uh, did you save the receipt I don't like it take it back yes please <laughs> He put in a transfer to be, um, he put in a request to be transferred to the cardiac unit. And lo and behold, cardiac turns around. And they're like, hey, by the by, we don't want him either. Yeah, no, you couldn't keep him. That's a, that's a no for us. Is that a no for you? That's that, a no for me. It's like being the last kick pit. No. The last kid picked for like kickball. They're like, oh, sh- oh no, 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 no. Um, we'll take the, uh, we'll take the kid in the ankle cast. <laughs> Yes. Like anybody but you. I know that you have crutches because you just broke your foot, but we'll take you. We'll take that kid. Well, 
He looked for work nearby and somehow he still had amazing references and I don't know how. This completely... How? How do you still have good references? I think it's because he kept like... the When he would work at the beginning, he would get those reviews and he would keep the reviews from the beginning of his work experience and then be like... Look, see how good of an employee I am? And I think that's what it was. It just blows my mind. And I get it. Like, the early 2000s is a different a, right. a different time. Like, you know, when you go in and apply for um, employment now, generally speaking, they will look at your history, your last seven to 10 years, and they're going to call your former employees. They want to talk to your supervisors. They're really going to look into your references. They're going to call your mom. They're going to call your grandma. They're going to talk gonna to your neighbor sister. across the street. They're going to call your children because children don't fucking lie. Oh, children are brutal. God, my kids have been getting me in trouble lately. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> so he still has these awesome references awesome references he gets a job just down the way at st luke's hospital they needed nurses in a really big way and they actually gave him a five thousand dollar signing bonus which i'm sure they fucking regretted almost immediately (laughs) now st luke's was on the top rank medical top ranked excuse me medical facilities in the country and their coronary care unit was one of the very best that like our nation had to offer that was like their star unit of their hospital right that that is one thing that they like pat themselves on the back for now after charlie went to work there the deaths seemed to come in little clusters the codes were constant charlie would calmly go in when a code was called straddle the patient start doing compressions and he seemed a little overly dramatic at the same time but he had no emotions and it to me when you're like you just stroll into the room just all nonchalant you're like oh look jump at that up on the bed jump up there don't you die on me you <laughs> bastard and start beating on their that's chest a, that's what i get in my head but with no emotion in his face because they said that every time somebody coded he would get like straddle their chests start pumping away like but with no emotion but he's like his body language is like dramatic but he has no emotion in his face <laughs> like, i gotta i have to what see is this going on yeah i need to see this in real life what is drugs what is drugs I don't know. Maybe it's the way Ben Affleck looked in like the last four of his movies. Um, oh, <laughs> burn, motherfucker! Just love you. <laughs> I, I really do think you're quite amazing. But love you, friend. Let's, I don't. Let's not talk about the things you've. He's not my favorite. I used to really, really like Ben Affleck, I never dude. Really have. I still think Sorry. he's awesome. I still think he's awesome. I just think that you know, there's a couple of movies that could have been better he did surprise me as batman i thought i was gonna absolutely hate him as batman and then i was like dude he's like the val kilmer of batmans that's all you get you're gonna get one right i i think that i had my expectations so fucking low that when i saw it i was like all right hey man but (laughs) whatevs whatever michael keaton will always be batman yep michael keaton is my (laughs) batman dude like at the end of the day i grew up in the 90s and as far as i'm concerned michael keaton will always be batman Yes. Just Shane. Anyway. Back at the ranch. <laughs> Jack Nicholson is the best fucking Joker. Yes. I don't give a fuck what anybody says, and Michael Keaton will always be my Batman. Yep. Now, Charlie started a game to fuck with everybody. And what he would do, he would take the chairs that nobody was using and then put them all in an empty room. Okay? <laughs> he did this on every shift. Every shift that he was on. And he's, he, he even got in trouble for it. And he just didn't care. <sighs> this, so this makes me like itch. I'm like, oh my God, with the fucking chairs. God damn it, Charlie. Well, and it's just like, it, this is like middle school games. Uh-huh. Where he just goes and collects <laughs> an unknown amount of chairs 
and like stashes them in an empty room. Just and he uh, did this for like two goddamn years. Yeah, every shift. Yeah, in different rooms. Yeah. Why, Charlie? Why? Just to pick at the mental like scabs it. festering in people's brains with his fucking debauchery. Like so, <laughs> shortly after he starts working there, he got a crush. 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 Oh. I crush your head. Crush, crush. I'm going to crush on you. I crush on you. So, he inevitably has a crush on another nurse named Julie. He started leaving gifts from a secret admirer, and the nurses thought it was cute at first. It's always cute at first, okay? But then it gets really creepy. Right. I think anything at this particular juncture, like even in our day and age, that when you get something from a secret admirer, I don't, I'm like, no. I don't like it. I don't, I want to know who the fuck it is. Do I need to freak out? Should I be like, oh, that's so cute? No, I don't want to know. I I do want to know. I just fucking secret admirer. I, maybe, maybe for a, a, like a, a Patreon exclusive, I will talk about my stalker. And this is why I don't do the secret admirer thing. I don't think it's cute. I don't think it's fun. I think that if you enjoy the company of another human being, that you should go to that human being and be like, yo, I dig you. I think it would be a good time to like hang out. Let's let's go grab a coffee and talk about books. Let's go catch a movie. Let's do you like sushi? Let's go grab some sushi. Like just be upfront and be like, I like you. Maybe you would like me because the secret admirer shit gives me the fucking willies. I don't like uh-huh. it. Uh huh. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. <clears throat> no, I had I had yeah I had I had a stalker. I've had several. I only had one in like high school. I I've had several. You know um, who you are. Mine is actually a convicted felon on multiple accounts for solicitation of a minor, rape of a child, um, stalking, and... um, I'm like, I have this look on my face. That's my very first one. My very first one. And then remember when I worked at the bank and um, was coming into the bank, and he's actually a convicted murderer. So, as soon as you said bank, all I thought of was that guy with the gray sweats that always had his pants pulled oh to the side and up. Oh, my God. Junk. Dude, I'm so sorry. The guy with the trach. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that guy had a big old crush on me, too. It was fucking gross. I, I liked it when he worked there because he always sent us good pictures. Oh, my God. Remember the kids on the floor making dirt angels? <laughs> that would be my kids. All right. Anyway, so yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk about that later. Maybe I should make that a fucking episode. Charlie decided to add a name to his secret admirer because they were like getting creeped out, and he's like, "Fuck, fuck, but fuck, fuckity, fuck." I can't even say that word. I'll fuck, I'll fuckity up it too. I'll Jesus, fuck it. Jesus, fuck. His name, the new secret admirer. His name was now Brian Flynn. And now all the nurses were really excited. They were like, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Until he decided to reveal himself. Show yourself. (laughs) He showed himself, all right. And it did not go over how he wanted it to go over. It kind of uh, went even further to the creepy side because they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's who it is. And the ladies were creeped out and the men laughed at him. He felt humiliated and rejected, as you would. Well, maybe don't... Don't be a creeper. Don't be weird. As we referred to before, do not fucking secret admirer shit, okay? No, man, just... Just for, be you. Just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I don't know if we've pr- been properly introduced. My name is Angel, and I kind of want to wear your asses and ha- as a hat. Right? We're don't gonna make fuck it a weird. <laughs> no, dude, just yeah. for real. 
Do you want to get a cup of coffee with me sometime? I'll make it weird at that point because whether I like you or not, I'm going to be like, what? Me. So later, while they're working at this hospital, a woman arrived at the hospital by ambulance. That was a transfer from another hospital. Charlie called her, quote, a dump patient. It was, that basically means that another hospital didn't want her to die there because it would up their mortality rate. So they sent her to St. Luke's to die to get their mortality rate up. The other male nurses didn't really care about her and were playing hacky sack with a ball of tape. Charlie thought this was heartless, which it fucking is. If you've got somebody dying, please don't play hacky sack with a ball of tape in the hall and giggle and carry carry on. on. Jinx! Jinx. (laughs) Pinch poke, yo me a coke. I'm sorry, this episode has ended now because I can't talk anymore. (laughs) Sorry, she can't speak until she buys me a coke. Those are the... These rules are are unflinching. (laughs) We'll hit you up after I buy a coke. Um, Anyway... He decided it was up to him to make this dump happen. He chose digoxin through the piggyback port in her IV. That usually, that piggyback port is usually used to flush the line with saline. And digoxin. All aboard the struggle bus. I'm leading the motherfucker. Driving it. I'm driving that shit. Digoxin is clear, so if someone walked in, he could just say that he was flushing her line. Fair Which, enough. Yeah, I don't think anybody walked in, but he had a plan. Um, after that, he went to the nurse's station and hit all the chairs again, because that's what you do. <laughs> when you're Charlie, this is... This is- it's a mandatory procedure he's like oh my god there's this many chairs there should only be this many i'm gonna hide a couple while i'm waiting for this lady to code so he just kept like hanging out waiting for her so when she did code he was the first one there looking like a hero doing his emotionless ben affleck i'm gonna (laughs) straddle your chest and do compressions i don't know they were unable to save her and when the family came to mourn the male nurses were still playing hacky sack with the damn tape ball the fuck guys um it's called being a professional in which you are failing um which reminds me of a specific situation uh when i took spencer to the south for the very first time my aunt actually had a stroke while we were visiting it was the first time i'd seen my aunt in like 10 years she had a goddamn stroke while we were there and when we called for emergency services because it's a it's a small town in uh florida called molino content well molino is where they live it's in cantonment anyway um a lot of firefighters volunteers emts whatever and there were quite a few people in there and i realized there's only so much you can do when you're trying to load up a patient who's having a stroke but they literally stood there having a conversation about how nice somebody's jacket was and where to get one uh-uh um, while my gra- or well, my grandma, while my aunt is having a fucking stroke in her recliner, my brother, my oldest brother, which you have very little interactions correct, with, my older brother is sketchy as shit. And anybody that really knows my brother Ron, he knows that he can be quite volatile. And the last thing that you want to do is 
piss him off in a situation where he's already stressed out and feeling tension because then he becomes dangerous so these guys are sitting there complimenting each other on the jackets like yeah man that's a nice jacket where'd you get that my brother is holding my aunt's hand as she's like you can see that she's like fading out a little bit he turns around and the look on this man's face and he was like you think you guys could take that outside and i touched the gentleman on his elbow and i was like that is the nicest he's going to be to you (laughs) you should take this opportunity to excuse yourself outside exit stage left if you if you don't want my brother to fucking pull your eyes out of your head with his bare hands like get the fuck out we went to the hospital my brother stayed with her overnight she luckily my aunt made a full recovery i just want everybody to know but we get to the hospital and my brother stayed there all night. And when I saw him the next day, I went and picked him up, brought him food, brought him back to my aunt's house to get some rest. <clears throat> and he was still fucking stewing about those EMTs. Oh, I can imagine. So he's like, he's. I told him, I was like, hey, I'm going to take the rental car. Me and Spencer are going to go bomb around town. We're going to go like grab some food. Shmi, shmi, shmi. Um, Are you good? And he was like, I still, that motherfucker talking about his jacket. And I was like, uh-huh, get some sleep now. Okay, thanks, bye. Like, do you need something to put you to sleep? 12 hours later he is still stewing about that and i was like he's gonna murder that man yep then that's how he died and then the guy died Uh uh-huh and that's why i had two brothers in jail for a minute no just kidding right jesus just kidding i actually um for mother's day i saved me and my brothers um yeah like i got him again our mug oh you did yeah so there's only one of ronnie and there's only one of me but there's multiples of dave Dave. (laughs) love you davey dive dive's got a few but um I actually wanted to make like finger puppets with our mug shots. <laughs> you should make like flat, you know, the flat people so you can take them with you everywhere and you take selfies with them. Like oh my a flat, God. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, remember how we used to have them on popsicle sticks? Yeah, like and that. Shit? Yeah. Dude. And like, just take our mug shots with us everywhere we go. That would be amazing. I think it's funny. Amazing. Look, Bob, you could make her like a flower arrangement. Oh my God, with, with the our mugshots. six of your mugshots <gasps> sticking out. Mugshots. I love it. Let's do this. Craft time. Congratulations. You gave birth to a litter of fuck ups. We all got our mugshots for you, Bob. You said that we weren't going to get pictures for you after we had our school pictures, but we did. I know. We're, all of us. She should be proud. Yes. All right. I don't know where I was. Oh. So, at your second yes, paragraph. I got you. To the bottom. She was his only patient of the night, so after she had passed, he got to go home early. He was okay with it because he was working on a hobby horse for a pregnant nurse named Jane that he had a crush on. Hmm. So, here's, if I eye roll any harder, my eyes are going to fall down the back of my neck and off my ass. Right. Eye roll. Yes. Roll them eyes. He's got a crush on everybody. Well, I'm the same way. Fuck it. I don't care. (laughs) In the spring, the nurses had noticed their drugs going missing. Mainly a drug called Pronestil. They had to restock it every night for six fucking months. Nobody ever knew where it was going because it wasn't anything like that special. It was nothing they really used. But the nurses joked that someone was using it as fertilizer somewhere. (laughs) Okay. I suppose. This is funny. We have to restock the whole thing every night. Somebody's fertilizing something. They better have big flowers. That's hilarious when your medicine's missing. I wouldn't... Dude, I get upset when I'm like, why why am I having to restock all this juice? 
who's drinking double juices. Gabba Gabba. Gabba Gabba. Gabba. Juice. <laughs> Get the juice, you punk ass daddy. The black, black midget, midget bitch. <laughs> Fuck, if you don't know Kevin Hart, go watch it. That was a quote. <clears throat> it was a it was a quote. It was a quote. Yay dear bruh. <laughs> I knew it was a dear bruh. I knew it was. <laughs> and that's why I was five minutes late. And that's why I was five minutes late. Now, Charlie, I now and well so um yeah well <laughs> charlie had been throwing it away just to be an asshole no reason just because he didn't like saint luke's he's taking the fucking meds <laughs> and disposing of them to make work for other people so now he's moving the chairs on every shift he's throwing away meds and he's used the lotion a little bit more than what they would like he puts the lotion on, on the, the skin, skin. <laughs> overly lubricated Yeesh. for your pleasure by Charlie Cullen. Now, now, Ew. he did this just to piss off the supervisors. He also threw the talc in each room away too. So basically, it's essentially it's like him going room to room and being like, "Fuck you, I do what I want." Uh huh. I do what I want. I do what I want. It actually took him a long, long time to catch on to all of this crap that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now, in April of two, cool. <laughs> In April of 2002. <laughs> Sorry. That was a Oh. <laughs> Motley like dick too. Jesus Christ. Motley what now that too. Fear gas. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck. All right. <clears throat> so in April of 2002, the charge nurse named Thelma Moyer noticed that the pros- uh, pronestal was running out in spurts. So she tells the supervisor and the hospital pharmacist. They didn't really do anything about it, but on June 1st, Charlie had gone to work early like he usually did, gathered the meds in the, far- in the pharmacy runner, and dropped them off for the night shift. He took them to the med supply room. The other nurses thought that he was doing this just to be helpful, and... He would also be helpful later. Shmee, shmee, shmee. He would also be helpful later setting up the IVs. Ba-dum, bum, bum. And then again with the codes. What he did in the med room was get a 10 milliliter syringe and basically made an antibiotic cocktail. The book didn't mention exactly what he put in them, but um, he put them in the patient trays. While he was in there, he decided he needed to get rid of the... Uh, why can't I say this word? Like, I can't. Pronestal. I look at the word and I'm like, pterodactyl. (laughs) I need to get rid of this pterodactyl. Goddamn pterodactyl. So he decided that he needs to get rid of the pronestal um, that had just been restocked. (laughs) While I'm in here. Hey, by the by. This shelf, it's got to be clean and clear. Fuck this box right here. Yes. There's no telling how many died because of this. He doesn't even know. But when he left for his shift that day, there were less patients than when he went in. Hmm. The next day, when the day shift, when the day shift nurse Kim Wolf went to the med supply room to get her IVs, she went to put a needle into one of the sharps boxes. However, she couldn't get the needle in there because it was too full. Kim wanted to know exactly what the hell was going on, and I mean, let's stop and think about the average size of a syringe. Okay, so it's going to take a lot of stuff to fill a sharps box. So she's right? like, "What the hell is in here?" So um, she goes and tells the other nurses that she works with, Jerry and Candy, and they all just, you know, they all congregate to go and investigate. 
They get out a bedpan and they dump out the contents of the sharps box into the bedpan. They got out a notepad and started to make a list of the veritable cornucopia of bullshit <laughs> that they found shoveled into this box. Now, keep in mind that normally only environmental services got like get into these boxes. Okay. And they only do this to dump out the contents and mm-hmm. get rid of it. So normally the nurses and the doctors would never see what's inside of a sharps box. Right. Um, and mind you, he knows this. He has no fucks to give. Do you see the field in which he grows his fucks? See that thine field is barren? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so normally, no, <laughs> I don't know why I just went to that sentence. Meep. <laughs> they found six bottles of I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to call it very or vecuronium bromide or vec. We're just going to stick with vec. Vecuronium bromide. Yes. Yeah, right. There was also magnesium sulfate and phenyl. I said this to myself right earlier. Phenyl fury. <laughs> Whoa. I know this word because right. I have to say it all the <clears throat> time because Calvin can't have it with his medicine. Phenylephrine? Yes. That. Fucking A, I got it. All right. Yes. See, it's not, it, I overthunk it. Yeesh. Uh, liquid. Liquid. <laughs> liquid. <laughs> I don't I like know what a, it is. Like a head? L E C O H E D. Like a head. I may have typed that wrong too. I don't know. The medical professionals out there are like, Jesus Christ. I know. They're just cringing away. We got to get you guys in on this irritation towards us not being able to say shit. Uh, Debutamine, uh, nitroglycerin, and libetalol, (laughs) something. I could have typed all those wrong. Anyway, a bunch of words and 40 boxes of prenestal. 40 fucking boxes. 40 boxes. Like everything that had just been stocked is now in a sharps box. Yes. There was zero explanation for any of this. The f- How did you say that? Phenylephrine? 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 That word is just a decongestant. Like it's in your regular. Yeah, it's in your regular cold medicines and all that stuff. It also increases blood pressure and relieves hemorrhoids. <laughs> so why the hell would 48 boxes be missing? It wasn't like an addictive, like it's not something you can take and sell. People aren't going to buy it. You can get it. You can get it over the counter. Um, the full bottles of Pernestal were weird, but the concern was with the VEC. Those bottles were empty. They were the kind with the rubber stop at the top and you had to put the needle in the rubber stop. It was like a... Uh, powder inside there mm-hmm. so you'd have to put the rubber or the needle in and insert saline Correct. take it shake it up let it activate and then pull it out with a syringe to administer it you're probably wondering what vec is at this point well i'm here to answer that for you <laughs> let me let you know some things let me tell you vec is an exceptionally powerful paralytic overdose would be a lot like drowning or suffocating the muscles shut down however everything else is intact until the heart and lungs fail so it's a very horrible way to die you wouldn't be able to scream or move and you would feel every single bit of pain so basically it's no muscles anymore including your mouth your voice your lungs your anything this drug is not a very popularly not a very popular drug. It's not used very often. In the rare occasion that it does get prescribed, it's usually only about five milligrams, but sixty was missing, and none of the patients had been prescribed the drug. 
Where did it go? I don't know where. I don't know. You tell me. Mm-hmm. This made Kim and Candy curious as to who was messing with things in the med room. They decided to take shifts and watch it all day long. Watch the med room all day long. Everybody that went in held the door open with their foot. However, it was a long day of watching this door and trying to figure out who was going in there messing with things until around 6.20 when Nurse Cullen came in for his shift. His shift didn't start until 7, but he always went in like super early. Kim liked Charlie. They didn't really know each other, but she knew him from shift changes from the last two years. So what she did know of him, she really liked. Well, he came in, did the thing with the chairs, put some away and, you know, did that ritual first thing and then went into the med room and let the door close behind him. Dun, dun, dun. I like how we're still messing with the chairs. <laughs> two <laughs> years later. I'm just You are still messing with the two chairs. Two years later. He still is fucking with the chairs. I think that I would have zip tied all the chairs together by then and been like, you're going to take one or you're going to take none. It, you get nothing. You get them all or you <clears> get none. I don't give a shit. There's just, you know, I you had, get one, get them all. I've had coworkers do irritating things. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like, and especially when you don't like somebody. I would go out. I have been that petty son of a bitch to like go out of my way to like irritate somebody. But what the fuck with the chairs, man? Mm, let me oh, oh, just just hold for one moment. Here's a squirrel hunt. Mary. I'm going to make it really quick. Okay. Because it zip ties. So <laughs> I had taken all the shredder contents and threw them in my boss's office at one point. This is Billy from Louisiana that we we're trying to meet up with out there, but he was offshore. Anyway. So I, well, easy killer. Attacked my puffing. Anyway, (laughs) so I threw all that in there in his office. And so the next day when I came to work, my chair was zip tied to my desk. Everything was like zip tied to each other. Everything was zip tied to everything. And when I went to answer my phone, he had zip tied the cord to it. So, <laughs> so the whole phone came up. I was like, God damn it. I'm like trying to talk to whoever just called, but I can't get my phone up. I'm like, ah, fuck. That's awesome. Yeah, it was funny. Anyway, proceed. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. So. So. Um, oh, <clears throat> Yeah. Kim and Candy both noticed this, and he was in there for about five minutes. He comes out, went, um, he come, he came out, and went the other way down the hall. Now the nurses went in and checked the sharps box, and it was full again. What? They told the floor manager, and thirty, like thirty minutes later, the day shift was all getting ready. To, oh, apparently neither one of us can leave our mics alone. <laughs> right, we're attacking the paw thing. So anyway, um, 30 minutes later, the day shift is getting ready to disperse for the afternoon. The first code came in about six hours later. The sharps box was opened again June 3rd by the manager slash supervisor um, as a security officer watched them. They dump it out onto the counter. There's several bottles, several dozens of bottles. Mm -hmm. Most of them were empty, including the nine bottles of Vec. And what they didn't know was the drugs had been used on Edward O'Toole seven hours earlier. So that's the guy that coded. Yes. Hmm, weird. They, uh-huh. They contacted the risk manager. Her name was Janice Rader, who then called uh, Ken Vale, the risk manager director. Now, there were dangerous heart drugs and paralytics, um, like paralyzing agents that had gone missing. And this is obviously not okay. No. 
that now we have to raise our eyebrows in concern. Hmm. Hmm. We both really just did that too. I know. Just for anyone just, that needs a visual. Hey, we got you. Spencer, put your fucking eyebrow down <laughs> when I get mad. No. <laughs> put your eyebrow down. We're like the rock. Hmm? Hmm? I do. People's eyebrow all day. <laughs> all day, every day. Every day. Every day. They, so they go and they consult their in-house attorney. His name is Cy Traub. Traub called in this called in a law firm by the name of Stevens and Johnson, who were specialists in malpractice and criminal law. Paul Laughlin was assigned to this case. Just after midnight that night, Laughlin got a call that the Sharps box was full again. So he goes down to the hospital to an empty room at the end of the hall. A few minutes later, Brad Hahn, who was another nurse, brought Charlie up to Laughlin. Charlie looks at Brad and says, you know, you could have given me a heads up. (laughs) Sure. Now, Laughlin told Charlie, he's like, hey, man, have a seat. Charlie answers all the questions that he had, told the lawyer that he'd like to get in around 630. You know, I like to get in around 630 and and stock the drugs, man, and Mm -hmm. get the totes all ready. That's what I do. Charlie told him he was, (laughs) God, Charlie told him that he was in the med room later after that. Laughlin kept trying to get more info out of him and told him that he was working on no sleep and that he couldn't remember the specifics of the shift. Yeah, that's what Charlie told him. Like, as he co- kept questioning, he's like, yeah. I don't know. He's I'm like, really no, I no sleep. It's it's really like one of those things that you're, <laughs> you've been coached on by your lawyer. I can't recall. Right. I'm working on a lot of no sleep. I can't recall. I've only been working the graveyard shift for 20 years, couldn't 10 t- years, whatever yeah, it's Couldn't been. tell you how long. This is when Laughlin brought up the sharp spin and opened the lid. Charlie didn't really show emotion or give any fucks. And as a matter of fact, he was probably fresh out of those. Fresh. Fresh. I'm sorry. I gave my last one 15 years ago. The attorney. Fresh. Fresh out. The attorney asked him if he had heard anything about the missing meds, to which Charlie said that one of the other nurses had mentioned it. Oh, oh! I think that I remember one of the other nurses saying such a thing. What What was it again? Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Charlie. <laughs> I don't know that a bunch of paralytics and some pretty dangerous shit had gone. Oh, was that all? AWOL. That's all you're worried yeah, about? No, no biggie. Can I go now? No, I'm just kidding. Lofton asked him if he knew who put the meds in the sharp box. He basically let him know that the meds in the sharp box were only happening on his shift and then they had caught on to that. Charlie decided that this was bullying. He's like, you're bullying me. You're all ganging up on me. You're bullying me. And... He told Laughlin that he had already, he told Laughlin, like, he was like, you've already made up your mind about this and there's nothing else I can do about it. Right? Like, but really, what is he, what is Charlie going to say at this point? He knew that if he resigned, none of this would show up on his records. He decided to resign so that he would have a clean record for his next job. (laughs) He was escorted out of the building by security. It didn't take him long to find a new job, though. He was able to use his real dates of employment from St. Luke's because part of his his deal with resigning was that they would give him neutral references. <clears throat> he started working at the Sacred Heart Hospital in the CCU on June 8th. What he didn't know was that a lot of the in the oh you sound like somebody started pulling your record in reverse man <laughs> let's see that in insert replay <laughs> from what is it ace ventura i always like the one from little nicky <laughs> where he's like you what's the oz man trying to say 
Nothing, Tim. No, Tom. Nothing, Tom. The Osman always came direct with his messages. However, he pulls out the fucking Chicago record and puts it on there and he <laughs> plays it backwards. This roommate's like, I love this album. And he's all, we will spread, or what is it? Like, we will drench the streets with the blood of the innocent. I was like, oh my God. Oh, shit. Anyway, sorry. Oh, shit. Squirrel. Yeesh. I like the squirrels. Anyway. What he didn't know was that a lot of the administrators from the Saint from Saint Luke's had been calling around and giving other hospitals a heads up about Charlie, but hadn't called Sacred Hearts, so he was able to get a job there. He thought he might like working there. When he first started, he once again found a crush. This time it was a nurse named Kathy. She was a new hire. She was single and working nights just like he was. He leached on to her like he did. But the thing with her was that she liked him back. So they started dating. Oh, good. <laughs> this is new. What do I do? Oh, shit. I can only imagine what kind of... Pa- Could you? Could, Could you, you imagine? imagine the kind of panic that would run through his head when he wasn't like immediately rejected? He's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with my hands. Right. He's like, shit, fuck. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they started dating like immediately. Charlie ended up getting fired from Sacred Heart, though. One of the nurses that he worked with had worked with him at Easton when Ottomar Schramm was murdered. And she had told some co-workers, and they ended up petitioning the administration to get rid of him. <clears throat> His new girlfriend, though, felt so bad for him. And she thought that he was treated badly. Only a few months after they had been dating, Charlie moved in with her to Bethlehem. Well, during all of this, the risk managers at St. Luke's had called all of the hospitals in the Bethlehem area and informed them that Charlie was beyond consideration for rehire and told them about the meds in the sharp boxes that he was responsible for suspicious deaths and that he was responsible for suspicious deaths. I can't even read my own words. For some reason, Sacred Heart... The cops, the public, the state nursing board were all among those who were not notified. Nope. We don't tell nobody. Why would you not notify them? I, I genuinely have no idea. Okay. September 3rd of 2002, St. Luke's reports probable unprofessional conduct to the Pennsylvania State Nursing Board. And then five days later, Charles starts working at Somerset Medical in Somerset, New Jersey. He's decided that he's going back to New Jersey because he's like, it's been four years since I've been in trouble in New Jersey, so... Maybe I'll skirt on back there. I'll just go back there since uh, Pennsylvania's got their panties in a twist. <laughs> so, September 26th of 2002. 2002. 2002. Yeesh. The Pennsylvania State Nursing Board starts an investigation of Charles Cullen activities while employed at St. Luke's. On January 6th of 2003, the investigation is completed and the findings have then been shared with the policia. So January of 2003 to October of 2003, Charlie murders the following patients at Somerset Medical. Eleanor Stockner, excuse me, words, Stoicker who was 60 with digoxin, Joyce Mangini, 74, also with digoxin, Giacomino Toto, 89, also with digoxin, and John Schoeniger, 83, with a, let's see, it says a word that I don't like, Uh, norepinephrine, 
which is similar to adrenaline and works by constricting the blood vessels and increasing the blood pressure and the blood glucose levels. And it's this drug is used to treat life-threatening low blood pressure mm-hmm. and can and can occur with certain medical conditions or surgical, which can occur with certain medical conditions or procedures. This killed Dorothea Hoagland, 80, um, Melvin Simcoe, 66. He also got him with the night, uh, the sodium nitroprusside. Yeah. There was Michael Strenko, 21. He got him with the, Damn. I know he was only 21. He got him with the, uh, uh, norepinephrine. Wow. I kind of liked that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. Let's see. Florian Gall, 68, got her with digoxin. Pascal Neapolitan. Stop it. Stop. Pascal Napolitano. Why was that so hard? Napolitano? <laughs> Stop it. Napolitano. 80, he got him with the uh, dobutamine dobutamine and that was what they used for cardiac shock and severe heart failure chris hargrove was 38 got him with the epinephrine shit um krishna can't god damn dude like names i, I know names what? and drug i'm just kidding let's just say he killed a lot of people while he was there holy shit <laughs> um so krishna can't upadahai uh sorry that is crap and i'm sorry 70 got Got him with digoxin. Edward Zaziki, Zazik, Zazik, not Zaziki. I got all excited. I was like, I love Zaziki. Wait, Zaziki. Not, not, not oh, I do too. Make us some. Oh, I should, huh? Please. <laughs> Edward Zazik was seventy-three. Got him with digoxin, and James Strickland, eighty-three, also with digoxin. Now, Charles attempted to murder forty-year-old Jin Kung Han. See, I can do that one. Mm. Um, he tried to get him with digoxin, and the eighty-year-old and eighty-year-old. Wow. I'm going to slow down. <laughs> as well as 80-year-old Frances Agoda. Now, October 25th of 2003, Gall's body had been exhumed for autopsy and revealed that he died from deliberate overdose. Then, October 31st of 2003, Colin, fire, Colin was fired from Somerset and New Jersey police requested his employment records. Colin was arrested and taken to Somerset County Jail um, December 12th of 2003. And on the 14th, he tells people, tells people, these people being police, <clears throat> excuse me, tells police during the investigation and interrogation that he had administered 30 to 40 lethal drug injections during his 16-year career as a nurse. December 15th through the 18th of 2003, Charles Cullen is charged with the murder of Gall and attempted murder of Han, transferred to Trenton State Psychiatric Hospital, surrenders his nursing license, finally. Fucking finally. Can what we get a hollow? Yeah, dude, that's, it, we're all ready to 2003. Finally. 20 years, almost 20 years, because I think he went to school in 84. Mm-hmm. 20 goddamn years. So surrenders his nursing license, and Charles Public Defender announces that his client won't help with the investigation unless authorities agree not to seek the death penalty. On April 29th of 2004, Cullen pled guilty to the murder of 13 patients and the attempted murder of two patients at Somerset Medical. Hmm. May 19th, 2004, he pleads guilty to murdering three people at Warren Hospital. So this goes to, let, let's see, three people at Warren, 13 at Somerset, so we're 15 there, two attempts, but really we don't know how many people he's responsible for. This is all that he's going to admit to. Right, and because 
Yeah, he doesn't even know. Yeah. Like, it could be up to 400 people. I mean, when you're... like, their calculations, up to 400 Dude, if you're in a closet stabbing IV bags, like, you're just slinging darts at a map. Yeah. Well, because some of them, I think some of them could have lived. I don't know. We don't know. He doesn't know either. He doesn't know which ones lived, which ones died, who it went to. He doesn't know. Nobody. Nobody nobody knows. Unless he actually injected them and knows exactly what he was doing. Right. He doesn't know. October 7th of 2004, he pled guilty to murdering Ottoman shot, excuse me, Ottomar Shram at the Easton Hospital on the 14th of October 2004. He's charged with six more murders in the Lehigh County Hospital. On November 17th of 2004, Charles pleads guilty to the murder of five patients at St. Luke's as well as one murder and three attempts at Lehigh. And lastly, Charles... Lastly. Fucking last but not least. Last. Lastly. Charles pled guilty to 1988 murder of John Yango, December 6th, 2004. In March of 2005, the government launches an investigation of the hospitals where Colin has been working, Hmm. or had worked, to see if federal laws were broken by failure to act more promptly against Charlie. In June of 2005, Charles Cullen pleads guilty to five murders that he committed at Hunterdon. Weird. Uh, Mm -hmm. And in December of 2005, the press releases that Charles Cullen wants to donate his kidney to a relative of an ex-girlfriend. What? That's not going to help you win friends and influence people at this point, dude. Like, you kind of fucked up, dude. You you messed up, eh, Aaron? <laughs> so January 2006, the press again releases that Cullen has stopped cooperating with investigators and has demanded to be sentenced so that he would be free to proceed with his transplant operation if permitted. Now, per media, or excuse me, per media, Archimedes, Perchimedes. Your comedies. I My don't know. Fucking Jesus. Now, per murderpedia.com, on March 2nd of 2006, Colin is confronted by family members of his victims. This is where he was sentenced to conser- he was sentenced to serve 18 consecutive life terms for the murder of 22 and the attempted murder of 3 in New Jersey. He is not eligible for parole until t- Sherry, you're just going to have to shit there and die. 2403. Damn. During his sentencing with Lehigh County, President Judge William Platt, um, Colin kept repeating, Your Honor, you need to step down. (laughs) This guy. I don't. No boundaries. None. We're just, I don't know. This is Charlie's world. We just live in it. Correct. You, Your Honor, you you need to step down for 30 minutes until Platt had him gagged. Like, the judge literally had him gagged with a cloth and duct tape was put over his mouth because... Okay, yeah. So, there's a cloth in his mouth and duct tape over and Colin... Because Colin's upset with the judge. (laughs) This... Dude. This means that he will not be eligible for parole until he has served 397 years. On March 18th of 2006, the press released that New Jersey judges have agreed to allow him to donate that kidney finally. Oh, good. In t- yes, in 2006. That's a rotten kidney. Don't. Don't touch don't it. take it. You it's, don't want it. I no, it's no. going to be like that movie with fucking Jessica Alba where she gets the fucked up cornea transplant and it's all possessed right? and she sees fucked up shit. You're going to put a bad kidney in and then you're going to want to kill people. I wonder how, like, okay, well, his suicide attempts weren't really that 
because I was going to say, I wonder how his kidney is is well enough to transplant. After well, they're not going to suicide attempts, but they're not going to take. They're it not going to take good, it if it's so. not. Yeah, if it's not vi- viable, they're not going to pull it out Goes of him and give to it to somebody. Show that right. they were fucking fake. Just saying. So he is currently serving a sentence of life in prison without parole for over a hundred years, to be served consecutively with his sentences in Pennsylvania. All right. And according to Cat Williams, do you know what consecutive means? That means one right after the motherfucking other. <laughs> as in, he will not miss a day of prison. No, you will <clears throat> not. No, sure. So, that's it. That's the good nurse. That's Charles Cullen. It is. And if you want more about, like, his whole... There's, like, 200 pages in the book about his whole sentencing and all of that shit. Yeah, if you want to go, read it. yeah, if you want to go tap dance <laughs> I'm not around telling that, you about it. Go read it yourself. Yeah, go get it yourself. Get it yourself. We told you about all the killings. That's what we're here for. The killings. The killings. We only care about the killings. The killings. Jesus. <laughs> so join us next week. We're going to be starting something different, something new, something fresh, fresh as fuck. So maybe fresh uh, is your new underwear when you. I don't know. Wow. I, I don't know where you were going up. with that. I don't that. either. It started off really well. It didn't end well. I don't know. I, I am that person, though, because I change my underwear several times a day. I really do, too. I just don't like... I don't like feeling dirty. Mm-hmm. Like, people that wear the same bra for, like, weeks on end without oh. washing it. I don't know how the fuck people do that. I change my underwear, and especially in the summertime when I know I have a sweaty swass. Yeah. <laughs> when I got a swass. I had... Swoops. I had a point where I was down to one bra, and it was horrifying. No. I was like, I don't like life right now. I have my two favorite bras that I will will rotate, and I'll let them go two or three days. Yeah. But then they have to be washed. And then I have, like, a bunch of others. But, yeah, dude, I I own more pairs of underwear than one female rightfully should. That's why I packed you 50,000 of them when you're in the hospital for three days. Yeah. Well, it was good. You have one for every moment that you're in here. <laughs> I Seriously, dude, I, I have a thing about, A, I like funny underwear, Yeesh. but B, I really do change my underwear a lot. And not because I have like a funky downstairs. I don't want a funky downstairs. Want one. And so I feel like, and that's why people are like, what's your deal with baby wipes? Because there's fucking baby wipes everywhere. Right. They're in my truck. They're in my bag. They're in my bathroom. Dude, I have a thing about having a clean bottom. Like, I'm not, you know, some humans go to the bathroom they go number two and they take dry toilet tissue and smear that shit all over their asshole no 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 i want a wet wipe i want fresh as a baby i want it clean you never know when there's gonna be a face down there i'm just saying just saying so yeah do i change my underwear a lot i do do i need to i don't know i don't want to fucking find out Mm -hmm. i'm just saying you know what tune in next week and we'll start on some things else yes we will so maybe um you know always check your sharps boxes and stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.